Hey, welcome to Jerry Gherkin Show, where we get our kicks out of watching people succeed. I'm your host, Jerry Gherkin, and that time is now. Uh, today, my special guest is Al Fuentes, a longtime friend. Man, we've been known each other for, what, over 30 years, yeah? Yeah, it's crazy to hear that, but yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's like, don't blink. I, I uh, remember uh, our high school wrestling coach, Rex Lindgren, one time saying how um, if I could take you one year in advance and bring you back to high school, nobody would ever beat you because your mentality changes. And then he also shared with uh, with the team that uh, it's like life is like you're 18 and then you're on the top of the Gemini or the a roller coaster and then it, the first hill and you go down and then boom, you're 40. And it's yeah. like, yeah, that's, that's very true, very telling. I've shared that with a lot of people because uh, it seems like, and I think that there's been some studies done, the, the older you get, it seems like the time is moves faster and faster, but I think it's part partly because of our minds push us to the next thing, the next thing. And maybe you can talk a little bit more about that because that's what you do as a mental coach. So what's the name of your company? It's actually uh, just Al Fuentes Enterprises is my actual official business. And, um, and then uh, I just call myself a mental coach. Okay, cool. So as a, as a mental coach, can you kind of tell us what uh, exactly a mental coach is or what what you do sure it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people but i can tell you for me when i started this business 13 years ago that's the title i went with because the concept for me wasn't life coaching it wasn't just giving you suggestions about um, goal setting or positive affirmations or any kind of just training the brain from what i would call the prefrontal cortex and doing exercises uh, that would be like writing or some kind of journaling although those are nice things and, and they can be incorporated into the business for me the simple definition is that i'm a personal trainer for the brain and a personal trainer would be someone who you'd go to and you're like hey i want to get stronger uh, biceps and strengthen my core and oh by the way i have a little banged up knee from college wrestling you know and so the trainer would then look at you, assess you over, I would say an hour, if you will, find out your functions, your dysfunctions, kind of what he can do to work with your physical body. And then after that time, set up a workout that would best benefit you. Now you could have the best trainer in the world. If you can't do the workout or you choose not to do the workout, you're not going to get any stronger. That's just how it works. Sure. Mental coaching is the same. When I work with people and I've sat in this chair doing one-on-one -on -one sessions, I've done almost 4,000 one-on-one sessions over the last 13 years, which is pretty amazing. Um, and it, nothing is about me. It's always about putting people back in the driver's seat of their own lives, creating in that time frame uh, a mental workout, if you will. And by the end of our, our session, we do a guided visualization that isn't just about relaxing and being casual. It's about fundamentally changing how the brain is wired into the way you want it to be wired. And that could be releasing old emotions. It could be healing old wounds, or it could just be future focused. And it, it, it's a lot of different things in it for everyone. It's different because some people know, most people know the hangups they have, but they just don't know how to change them. And early on for me, if I, I, I always said, man, if you could just tell me what to do, I'll do it. Like, I'm, I don't mind the work. I just didn't know how to change my brain. So that's really the essence for me. What mental coaching is, is I'm a personal trainer for the brain. We, we talk. I understand how your brain is firing. When we design a mental brain training or a mental workout, that's the visualization to 
gets you exercising your brain differently. That's awesome. I, I was thinking when you were talking about that over 4,000 um, interviews, as I would call it, uh, you probably have touched on every possible scenario and, and maybe some of those are, are eerily similar, but then everybody has their own little wrinkle and what they're dealing with. And same thing for me, I've uh, got over 6,000 clients. I've sold over 10,000 plus vehicles in my career in this business. And um, every interview is different because everybody has a different little wrinkle that they bring to the table, but it's my job as a problem solver, as I put it, to figure out the best route for us to go. That's going to make the most sense for everybody. So there's, there's a little similarity there when you were talking about that, that makes so much sense to me. So how did you become a mental trainer? Well, you go through a series of gigantic failures in life and um, a series of, um, struggles and challenges and listen when you knew me first of all we went to the same high school together and I definitely always looked up to you and then you were at Finley when I went to Finley and you were just kind of on your way out as a senior I believe if I remember yep. correctly and I don't know how much you remember of me back in that time but I, I was an angry kid I was a righteous guy. I was judgmental and I put up a lot of walls. And so I wasn't necessarily well liked, especially by the team that I was in. And that's all, you know, that's not judgment. I'm not trying to be hard on myself. It's just the facts. And that was proven just throughout the course of my career. But it was more than that. I spent so much of my life fighting and wrestling is a fight, but I was a combat uh mind person. I was compete, com, uh, combating against everything in life from money to relationships to everything I chose to do, every job I ever had. It finally got to the point where I was 30 and I, I just looked around and nothing was working. And as much as I thought I knew, as much as life was, I had figured out, I didn't have anything figured out and there was no container of my life that was working, but it still didn't change me until I met this lady and this lady kind of showed me a different set of skills that she had to be able to have access to a different functionality in the brain, to be intuitive, to be connected, to be someone who could tell you what you were thinking without you saying a word or tell you a story, you know, tell you about your history without you ever sharing your story. When I met that person, I'm like, okay, this, this lady's doing something different, whatever that is, I want that. And um, I want to, I want to get that. And so that put me on a two year journey of just training my brain differently. And I just worked with her. She taught me some really cool things and taught me how to access different areas and levels of my brain but more from a spiritual standpoint or like through different things like Reiki and channeling and some other stuff, not, not really what I work with people on, but more of just my own spiritual path. After two years, man, my life changed. I was, I looked different. I felt different. Most of my containers were really starting to change and people were like, yo, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, I didn't have an answer because it was such a unique path that I took in, in such a unique way. I wasn't well, well read. I didn't read a bunch of books to get where I was at. It was just really a personal journey. So I sat one day and I said, okay, if I can backwards engineer how I did what I did and use science to, to really support the spirituality that, that I had come to know, what would that look like? And so that's what I started to do. And what I ended up realizing was that 
even though in spirituality or breath or energetic work, there is some scientific function there. So I just started breaking it down and I came up with the system and it's part of what I do with people that allows people to tap into theta and delta frequencies in the back of the brain while they're conscious. The same frequencies all of us uh, tap into while we sleep. That's how we recover and heal and generate energy for the next day. And if you're sick, you sleep longer. And if you're injured, you, you sleep more because you need that theta delta frequency in that uh, su subconscious state to generate the energy to, to recover us. And so understanding that, 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 that I, that's what I was doing, I wanted to make that a measurable, tangible, repeatable process that somebody could access during the day while they were conscious and then apply it towards their everyday life. So that's kind of what I set out to do. And I just developed it myself. Uh, and it was the next time somebody asked me, I said, I might have something for you. And that's how it started. And then the next time that happened, I was working with a couple people. It started to take off really quick. Before you knew it, I, I left my job. I was working with Arizona State, working with the wrestling team, working with the baseball team, working with the women's basketball team. I was working with pro athletes. I was working with high-level business people. And that was really the rest was history. So a lot of uh, <clears throat> referrals. You got a lot of referrals just from just initially starting to interact with the people once you had the, the model for what you, what you present to it. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It was always that way. It was only just, I never marketed or advertised in the beginning and never said, Hey, I'm going to try to sell this system to people. It just sure. was one at a time. And that was a grinding process. Yeah, I bet. I bet. But obviously you're wildly successful right now. And even to the point where um, you've been in a documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that process. What was that like? So uh, I, ha I had a pro athlete out of California who was, being highlighted in a documentary that was pretty cool. It was really the story of a fighter. Uh, Occupation Fighter is actually, I, I believe, the title. And it's this journey about MMA and mixed martial arts, for those that, that may not know what that means. And it's, at the time, it wasn't really kind of documented. So it was a really cool story because these guys are not making a bunch of money. It's not like it's pro football or or basketball where you that's the only thing really that our us wrestlers could do at the next level because you weren't going to make anything being an olympian necessarily unless you got a bunch of sponsorships but usually you you spend those 18 years of grinding it out blood sweat and tears and then then where do you go after that and so mma kind of there's a ton of wrestlers that are taking it to another level to make some money because we weren't making any money at that higher level 100 percent. and back in the day when we started i remember that it was just kind of, UFC was just starting to come up when I was uh, in college. So I think Mark Coleman was one of the first ones that I ever knew of. The he wrestled for uh, Fremont St. Joe and and Ohio State, and then he went into the MMA. But uh, yeah, I mean that was in my era. I remember Mark Coleman, but yeah, it, it's nothing like what Dana White's taking it to at this point. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, and even back then. UFC still wasn't paying a lot when this documentary was done and, and these guys are just struggling. So it went through his whole journey about the fight, weight cutting, his, the, the training, the struggles, trials and tribulations that he goes through. And then uh, of course, then what's he doing for his mental game. And, and so that's where I came into the, to the fold of that because I was working with him. So one of my um, memories of you is it was our high school um awards banquet and it was my senior year i think you're in the eighth grade i believe 
think I was a year, maybe something like that. Awesome. Um, anyway, you, uh, they brought the uh, guys that placed at the state tournament up in front, you know, to r recognize them. And you in a crowd of everybody in the cafeteria in the elementary school, because I, I remember it like it was yesterday, you were the first person to stand up and give a standing ovation. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, so don't be so hard on yourself about the other stuff because you, you got a genuine heart, man. There's no doubt. Yeah, it took a lot of uncovering the humanness to get there. But yeah, I mean, I, there was always moments of that kind of shining, but I just had so much love and respect for you guys. And the well, team. I just wanted to share that with you because that, that's that's a memory from all those years ago. And I still, every time I think about you, I remember that. So wow, thank you. Cool. Thank you. I'll, I'll take that with me. I'll add that to the library. There you go. Hey, uh, is there <clears throat> anyone you've coached that really stands out in your mind? I mean, you got 4,000 interviews. That's That's just hard to, maybe hard, but maybe there's a couple. Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of famous people I've coached. Um, most I, I don't speak of due to confidentiality. Sure, um, yeah. I have, yeah, it's, that is tough because everyone is so personal in my life that I coach. And I do know that there are people who stand out because their lives were a mess and they chose to reconnect with their their loved ones, their children that they were estranged from. People like that really stand out to watch people who were in the fight as much as I had been in my past, finally make life flow for them. That definitely um, is a standout for me anytime I see that. Um, individuals, yeah, I mean, I can go all day about specific individuals, but just that's really what stands out to me is watching people realize how it doesn't have to be a fight anymore and it's really the brain's programming that makes it so and that's a pretty cool thing there's other people too some obvious ones like an anthony robles for example he he stands out because at the time i was working with him going and this is he, he wrote a book about it and not not about me but about his his unstoppable story if you will from the time he was a kid to becoming a national champion undefeated his senior year and, and even winning an SB. But I remember someone like him coming in my office between his junior and senior year and just being like, I'm going to quit. He's like, coach, I'm quitting. That was his, that was, that was a defining moment for him and to hold space for him and to just reflect back the man that he really was at the time and is today and then watch him make the choice. To, to go all in, in, in that space. Those are some really cool moments and to know his career now and, and to see what he's doing and, and, and how fantastic it all is. It's, it's pretty cool. So stuff like that. Uh, but that's, there's so many people, whether they've sure. gone on to do famous things or not, there's yeah. so many people like that. That's what really stands out to me. Yep. So rewarding. Definitely, definitely rewarding. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking about, 30 for 30, if you've ever watched any of the ESPN 30 for 30s and um, like this one episode I've talked about on a previous podcast, but um, it was talking about these pro athletes that, you know, make millions and millions and millions of dollars. And then, then they ended up going bankrupt and after their career was over and then they're living at home or, or they're on the street. And uh, I was just thinking about how you could have benefited those people because obviously they had some things going on um, in their brain because they were super successful and they knew they knew that model in, in their athletic careers but not necessarily in the other the other aspects of it because uh, you you talk about um, 
being positive <clears throat> and how you stay positive. So how, how do you stay positive so much all the time in these uncertain times, especially during now during this pandemic? That's a great question. Um, for me, it's, it's really a brain training. Everything that we can experience in life, we have the choice to use it to create a, a more positive experience for us or not. There, the human construct is typically going to look at fear, doubt, and worry. The human construct is really driven by the front brain, and the human construct is driven by society. And when you look at that becoming your truth, so when I wake up every day, I have the chance to know two truths, the truth that my front brain and society is telling me, or the truth that I've programmed in based on my deeper connection, my deeper faith, my deeper way of being. And so when you think about our journeys, and there's been times in your life you've had big questions, big struggles, uh, even those pivotal moments in your life where they were felt like they were crushing and we look back at them now, five years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it is, at the end of the day, they're really small blips on the radar now. Mm -hmm. So for me to look at today as just as small of a blip, because my front brain and society isn't defining my truth, my bigger consciousness, my back brain, my body's frequency, and my bigger truth of faith and connection, along with the truth of my own life. That's what makes the difference because the story of my own life says, I always figure it out. The story of my own life says that I'm continuing to evolve and improve and grow. And life is truly getting better and better and better for me. And as long as I am in charge of creating my truth and I'm using the real proof of my own life, plus leaning on my body's frequency and my back brain to exercise this truth, nothing in the front brain or society or even in my everyday life is going to be bigger than me. Now, some days I have to work my butt off to make sure that that's the case. Some yeah. days, depending on what curveballs get thrown, it's it's like sitting down and really countering my humanness because we're all human. We're always going to have a human construct. Always. It's not going to escape. The, it's part of our, our actual life. And it, it, we need it as much as our, our soul. Need, we need our soul. They're, they're both, they, they have to coexist together. And it's about having that balance with them. So for me, those days that the front brain or the society is loud, it just means I have that much more work to counter and to grow my voice stronger in my truth and this bigger frequency, uh, louder than the, the noise here or out there. And that's so some, of the, some of the best piece of advice I've ever, I ever got was from my mom. And uh, she always said, it'll all work out. And it always does, you know, but when we're in the middle of the mucks in the mire and we're in, in the middle of the firestorm, it's hard to focus on that. And I think that, you know, what you're, what you're, you're advocating is that you can, uh, but you have to, like you use the analogy as an athlete, you have to be stronger in that, in your mind to be able to handle that. Yeah. And it's funny, you talked about fear and doubt because I've, I've done two podcasts on fear and doubt and how do you overcome fear and doubt with knowledge and skill. And that gives you the courage and confidence to overcome the fear and doubt. Well, the knowledge and skill in your, your set is, is to be able to retrain your brain. And then you have the courage and confidence to move forward and overcome that fear and doubt. So that was pretty cool for you to, because there's a lot of similarities in the things that you're doing and the things that I believe in. Um, my life word is teacher and I, I, I'm in the car business, but I, I still find myself just in this, in this environment, um, still teaching and teaching every day and trying to 
uh, improve someone else's life on a daily basis. And that's, that's one of my main goals every day is to try to improve somebody else's life one way or another. Well, I always remember you being a sage, like you were, you were the sage as, as the high school uh, wrestler, definitely the sage as a college guy. I, I, I clearly remember like people looking to you for advice, people trusting what you would say. And you're, you've always been that teacher sage, if you will, of, of positive voice, but also uh, deep deep thought or better thinking it's funny you say sage because i have some sage spray right here (laughs) (laughs) but it is true like i've always seen that way yeah 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 that's cool um how does visualization visualization differ from um meditation well man those are blended words for me because so it's like the yin and yang they're kind of in there that way is that well, it's really not so much that the words are different. It's how people choose to interpret all of it anyway, really. Uh, for me, I can tell you visualization is an active meditation. A lot of people use meditation to try to let go of thought or to quiet the mind or to just find peace in whatever f- feelings or sound or essence. A lot of times they'll do like a, what I would call a free range meditation where whatever comes, that's what they focus on. And, and, and all those are great. I I mean, I even have clients who do transcendental meditation and some other things. I think all forms of meditation, visualization, brain training are beautiful. The difference that I use it for is it's, it's more of getting from point A to point B and it's very deliberate. It's very active and it's actually training your brain and your consciousness and your soul self to operate in a way as a human. And oftentimes meditation is more passive and casual in its reference. And if you look at beautiful apps right now that are like the Calm app is one of them, a lot of them will talk to things like stress or uh, focus or whatever, but most of them are just more like the music and the passiveness of getting you there. So I would say meditation, if it's more old school or traditional is passive and visualization is more of a deliberate uh, focus from point A to point B. But, you know, there's people that use visualization to just like visualize a run on a bobsled, you know, like it's her bobsledding. That's the only thing they're not training their, their emotions. They're not training their, their subconscious brain. They're just continuing to visualize like the thing, the perfect pitch, the perfect run through the hole, the perfect, especially athletes, right? Or even if it's a business person, the perfect uh, sale today. You know, I'm gonna, I know this person's coming in. This is how I see the sale going. That's okay, but that's not the visualization I'm talking about. I'm talking about a total constructive or reconstructive brain training of the subconscious mind. I, my my wife, Tina, uh, shined me on to uh, a, app it's called abide it's a meditation app and it's got like 5 10 15 or 20 minute segments i get them every morning at 6 a.m i'm usually up around five and have my morning routine but that's one thing that i'll do but that's more of the like in the quiet moment and i'm not visualizing anything i'm just trying to um quiet my mind and and set the tone for my day and and i definitely notice a difference um personally if i if i don't take that time and then um the, the day could be chaotic back here on my vision board. I, I got something off of uh, one of those, that app one day it was uh, calm in the chaos. And uh, I listened to that. And ironically that day was very chaotic for a number of different reasons. 
and my assistant was like, how are you staying so calm? And I'm like, I don't know, just saying calm. In the, I was focused on it, calm in the chaos, calm in the chaos. And so that's kind of been my mantra for the last few weeks since I listened to that, that app, because uh, it, it does make a lot of sense. And, you know, and, and going back to what my mom said, you know, it all works out and it always does one way or another. And like you said, you know, you continue to go and you, if you sit in your quiet moment and you reflect back on where you were and where you are and how the needle is continuing to point up and you're continuing. But if you want to go down that rabbit hole and feel sorry for yourself, and then you can do that too. But I think with the training that you offer, um, you, you set predetermined things that are not going to allow you to go down that rabbit hole of depression. Well, it's, it's more of just having such a foundation in a truth that's different than whatever the world can throw at you, whatever the short term thing is. And that actually takes work. But there's another thing to it. It's like when your mom says something so beautifully, and it's true, like it always works out, that is intellectual truth. But in order for us to make that total body truth and back brain truth, we got to program that in intellectually we know everything's going to work out but in the moment we can still be going crazy sure because it's not an actual deep knowingness it's just an intellectual truth and so if you can take things like these beautiful sayings like your mom would say or other people would say and we take them from intellectual truth to knowingness that would mean you'd have to take it in and program it into the back brain and create an actual chemical reaction that creates a feeling in the body that then, because the, the body stores truth and it stores whatever truth you want and store this chemical reaction in the body. And so you can feel the body actually taking that intellectual understanding and making a feeling out of it. That's when you have a better foundation to counter what's going on in your day. And most people just use the words and think in the front brain. And we have to get that to the back brain, release chemicals, get that feeling into the body and then store it there. And now you have a bigger database of truth in both back brain and body to counter the front brain when it wants to go crazy. Gotcha. Good stuff. So how important is gratitude in your life? <sighs> gratitude. It's, it's, it's something that I didn't understand until I started working on myself from money and in, in standpoint there. Gratitude is everything. Waking up every day and just feeling the toes and feeling how grateful and we often don't think about things like our toes and so to, to have gratitude just for the partnership we have with our body in that that it's not a dictatorship and to have this body come back as, as, as an independent being that we're in partnership with gratitude creates awareness it creates presence it creates connection it creates love it creates a deep level of just appreciation and so for, at least for me, and so to get there every day and to be able to look at the world with that same gratitude that I have inside and look at the world outside, man, it's everything. And I'm just doing the same thing in my outside world. That also is a constant drip all day long of that positive experience of life. So it's everything to me. Right on. Yep. I... Uh, <clears throat> found it interesting you're, you're talking about having a like a partnership with money can you speak a little bit more about what you mean by having a partnership with money i, I have my own opinions but i'm going to hold them <laughs> cool <laughs> sure so uh, to, for me to, to to explain this i just want to take a step back and understand 
there are universal truths, universal love, universal um, money, universal uh, constructs. And then there are human truths, human version of love. And there's a sacrificing love, there's conditional love, there's, there's things. And so us as humans can take any universal construct and make it what we want. And typically that isn't healthy. I mean, think about how many people have been killed in the name of love, right? And so if we as human and human construct can pervert love, then certainly money can be perverted too. But the universal truth with money, it's not a human construct. Now we make dollar bills out of it, but, but the, the energetic, the universal truth of money is just this thing that can be a physical manifestation of how we love, see, and know ourselves. And so for me, money matches how I love, see, and know myself. And the more I love, see, and know myself, the more this partnership with money grows. And then to understand money in that same way and to love, see, and know money for what it is, not for what I want it to be, but for what it is, is to create that beautiful partnership. It would take a quite a bit of time to go really deep into it. And I know sure. this will yeah. so long, but on the simplest of terms, as I honor and love myself no, more, and as I create this deeper value in myself more, my money grows. And when I sacrificed myself and didn't love myself and didn't honor myself, even if I made money, it would go out as fast as I brought it in. And so now it's not about money being this savings or the security or this blanket, if you will. It's not some goal. Once I have it, then I can finally feel or be X. It just is a reflection now of how I love seeing, know myself. And then when you can learn from money, you understand that money also then just shows you how you're the currency of your own life. And money is this there to represent you being that currency. And so it, it continues to be that same reflection. So not only is it a, a reflection, a real physical manifestation of how you love, see, you know yourself, it's a teacher to you of what you are when you're the currency of your life. As you put out value and then money shows up because of that, that's the proof that you are the currency. And as much as I choose to breathe, I can choose to bring money in. It's my action that creates that thing. Not, and, and then if that's true, then it's my, then I am that currency. I think for most people, the, the universal lie, and I've shared this with a lot of young people, um, is that if I could only make a little bit more than I, then I'd be happy. And then you make that little bit more. And then you're like, <clears throat> if I could only make a little bit more then I'd be set and I'd be happy. And then that just continues to go on and go on and go on. And then next thing you know, you're making six figures and, and you're still not happy. And I think it speaks to what you're talking about. You have to develop that, that partnership and that relationship and not look at it as the way you're going to be happy. You have to be happy first. And then as you push that, that out, then it comes back to you universally. Absolutely. So, yeah, that, that's right on. Um, so what's the best advice you've ever received? That's a curveball. I told you I was going to throw you one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the best advice I ever received was that if you can love yourself first, then loving the world will be so much easier. Great. Very profound. Yeah. Yes, sir. Because so we don't, uh, we don't have, the thing is, is we can only love people 
the world, your kids, your wife, whoever it is, you can only love them with what you, the love you know. If you ask me a question about astrophysics, I got nothing to give you because I don't know astrophysics to share it with you. If I only know version 1.0 of love and version 1.0 is very limited, then I can only share with you version 1.0. I can't share with you version 2, version 3, version 4, because I don't know those yet. So my goal is always to learn how to love myself more and to grow my version of love more, because the more I can grow my love for myself, the more I can share that bigger version of love with the world. And then I can also not only share that love, but love, sharing that love is, is, can be twofold. It's just putting that love out there, but it's also being able to love you with my version. And then you can then learn more versions of love. It'd be like me knowing astrophysics and then starting to teach it. And then lots of people know astrophysics, right? So, so that, that thing is so huge for me. And oftentimes my old self was about sacrificing myself and sacrificing my love and sacrificing and sacrificing and everyone first before me. And it's, it, it, didn't, it doesn't work because fundamentally, if we don't know the love for ourselves, then we can't share, even if we try to share. I've spent a lot, lot of years before I started doing this work, trying to quote unquote, help people until I realized I couldn't help people. But it was always at the sacrifice of myself. Now it's, I share with people, I don't help people and, I, and it's just effortless. And that version of love that grows in me is the what I keep getting to share with people. And that's, that's what I'd love for everyone to know is that the more you grow your love for yourself, man, the easier it is to share what you know. That's awesome. Yeah, I can see that because as as you were continuing to sacrifice yourself, then there was that internal animosity toward other people. And that's where that fight came from, because you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm busting my tail to give you, give you, what are you doing for me in the back of your mind? That's what you're thinking. What am I getting? I'm not getting any reciprocation. So it's like, so I, I get it, man. So once you come to grips with yourself and a fully, un, fully understanding, then uh, yeah, that's, that's great advice, man. It really is. Yeah. So last, last question, then we'll wrap up. And again, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're super busy and uh, uh, Meredith will get uh, some, some information out uh, on the, on the podcast about how people can communicate with you. Um, I don't know if you need any future business, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do to, about getting, cause I know there's a ton of people, ton of the listeners probably could benefit from, from what you share um, is how do you want to be remembered? Uh someone who's a human that sought how to know himself more and love the world more so that he could be at peace. Perfect. Yeah, I like it. Well, again, I really appreciate the time. It's great seeing you, Al. Love you so much. You're, you're just yeah. doing such a great job. Super proud of you and, and all you've done. And uh, for the listeners out there, remember yesterday's history tomorrow's a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why we call it the present.